0: Mark your calendars. The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9 through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org.
1: Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle. Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, the Associate Director for Research at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today we bring you a special episode that was recorded on location at ADCES 22 in Baltimore. For several weeks now, we've been bringing you captured conversations from the conference. If you have yet to attend an ADCES conference, make sure to listen to the other episodes after completing this one to get a window into the experts, technology, trends, and topics you'll find at the event. In this episode, international expert in diabetes care and prevention, Teresa Pearson, joins us to talk about population health. She shares how she was first introduced to population health in her career and how a population health model reduces total costs of care while improving health outcomes for people with diabetes, ultimately demonstrating the value of diabetes care and education specialists. Make sure to listen to the entire episode to get actionable tips on information technology, data, and reporting that you can use to start implementing population health into your practice. Enjoy the show. Teresa, we are so happy to have you on the huddle.
0: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Well,
1: and we go back a little ways. You know, when I first started at ADCES, one of the first papers that I wrote was with you on population health. And yes. And it was yes. there that I learned that you have like 25 years, I think, of population health expertise. It right? could
0: be more, but I hate to admit it. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> so what is your background? How did you get into this, this specialty?
0: Yeah, well... Like most of us, I started out seeing patients directly, one-on-one, managing patients on a one-on-one basis, using best practice and so forth, teaching other healthcare professionals how to do this. And then I moved into a position that was really more about working with the health plan and working with employers, still on diabetes, and recognizing that we needed to do more in terms of looking at the performance measures. Those were new. I come from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and so we, at, at that time, were just creating the Minnesota community measures. At the same time, diabetes quality improvement performance measures were being developed at the national level, which eventually became HEDIS. So there was a big emphasis in my workspace on how do we get to these performance measures. And one of the ways that I like to think about it is that we treat individuals, but we manage populations. So rather than saying every time someone walks into the exam room or into our office, that we're coming up with a new strategy, a new approach to deal with them, we're looking at more of a standardized approach across the entire population. And we started with our very first registry. This was when, this I'm dating myself, but EMRs were new. We said, okay, we've got these EMRs. We can identify all of our folks with diabetes. We had 40,000 plus or minus people with diabetes. And saying we didn't have enough certified diabetes care and education specialists to see all of those patients. And on an average, we probably saw about 10% of them per year but we wanted to make sure that when we were seeing those 10%, that they were the right 10% for our services, and that when we looked at the rest of the population, what services did they need? So we started to stratify them based on their clinical data, A1Cs, blood pressure, LDLs, those things that were part of the performance measures, and create a stratified list and saying, okay, those folks that are at the top are the ones that are most in need of our services. And that's really what started it. And then I took a little detour because I was so interested in how to make the system work better. I went to get an MBA because I said, okay, I really want to know how this works. And that beca- it just became a passion of mine to figure out how we can work better with limited resources because we're not getting more resources.
1: So everything you're saying resonates with me and it completely makes sense. And I just, okay. Just going back quickly, you went back and got your MBA. What did you learn in your MBA that allowed you to communicate, because these are really important topics, what did you learn in your MBA that allowed you to communicate this to the health system or the community?
0: Well, that's the that's really interesting thing is how do we speak the language of our decision makers and figuring out when, when we're talking about the value of what the diabetes care and education specialist brings to the table in particular related to those performance measures because all the organizations that we work in have performance measures, and those performance measures are linked to dollars. And they're, in many cases, millions of dollars. And so money talks, right? So when we say that the work that we do helps impact how well our organization does on these measures, when we're able to see those patients and we can speak that language to our administrators, they start to see our value and say, well, where have you been, you know, and how can can we support you, as opposed to them going, oh, those are those really nice nurses and dietitians there back in the corner. Now they start to see us as mover and shakers. And we have to come up with a plan and say, here's what we're going to do. For those folks who fall at the top of the list, who are most in need of our services, we're going to be proactive about engaging them, and then we're going to follow the outcomes, and we're going to show you what we do and how successful we are.
1: So when you're having those conversations, as a DCES, when you're having those conversations with leadership, there's certain things like the community health needs assessments, right? Something tangible that leadership understands and says, okay, if, if diabetes is at the top of the list of the community health needs assessment, uh, this is going to help our bottom line, or at least our the, the tax status of the hospital or the organization. The community health needs assessments, are those still happening? Number one, uh, can diabetes care and education specialists get involved. And number two, any other vehicles similar to the community health needs assessments that diabetes and care and education specialists can recommend? Yes.
0: Yeah, so yes, the community needs assessments are being done. So that is one, one avenue. The other avenue that I think that diabetes care and education specialists need to educate themselves about are what are the performance measures that my organization is being held accountable to. So knowing what those are, and it Nearly every organization will be responsible for the HEDIS measures. So how is my organization doing regarding the HEDIS measures on diabetes? There's countless other measures. There's like hundreds of thousands of HEDIS measures. But let's just focus on diabetes, right? So connect with your quality committee. If, there's, if there is a quality committee, some have have active quality committees. Some just have a person who's sort of assigned to looking at those measures. But find out first who that person is and talk with them and say what are our measures and what is our current performance on those measures. Another thing that I can say about Minnesota in particular, when you find out those measures, those are across the general population for, we'll just leave it to diabetes. So the general population of diabetes. But there's so many other ways that you can slice and dice that data. And particularly now when we're really concerned about disparities in healthcare, to slice and dice that data based on race, ethnicity, zip code, counties, where do these people live? Are they in a food desert? That kind of thing. To help figure out where are the gaps. And I know this sounds like it takes a lot of work, but with a conversation with IT and, and the ability to go in and use your EMR, and how I can generate a report from my electronic medical record, then you can collect some of that data. Now, race, ethnicity is something that not everybody's collecting yet, um, so you may not have that, but you certainly will likely have zip codes, counties, things like that, and you'll, you'll know in your neighborhood where our Where are the food deserts? And then just say, okay, we want to do a special initiative with these folks because we know that they're not being reached or they have a food insecure issue. That's just one example, but that's not, you know, we still have the clinical data. And I can almost guarantee you that if you were to slice and dice that data, the clinical data based on race, ethnicity, zip code, county, and any of those things, you will see disparities. And so I think that that's an increasingly important issue to look at. And most of the time, we're just looking at the total and say, oh, great, pat ourselves on the back. We're doing really well until we start to break it down. I think initially when people are new to this whole concept, they need to just start with the whole population and say, okay, let's look at people who are, anyone whose A1C is greater than nine. And I'm going to proactively go out. And invite them to participate in the diabetes self-management education program. I'm not going to wait for them to knock on my door, and then we're going to work with them, and then collect the data and see how well you do. So that's a place to start. Get your feet wet. I've been doing this for such a long time; my feet have been wet for a long time.
1: So, <laughs> so I I love these conversations with you. See, you always take us to a different place um, or a new a new place. And when you bring up data, um, boy, you know that just gets me all excited. So. I, I will say, I think you brought up something really important with partnering with your I, with your IT group. And I think, and we've had these discussions before that the real value of the DCES is the subject matter expertise. And when you think about data mining, data science, data analysis, there's that's really a two part process, right? You have a subject matter expert, and then you have an analyst. Yes. And you need to have both. There has to be there has to be a bridge. So they actually your IT people want you yes. to come and talk yes. to them. So that was one thing, just hearing your, your, uh, from your comments. The second thing was utilization. Like we just did, you know, we just did a paper. A paper came out about a year ago from ADCES, a systematic review that looked at, it actually started out as a, co- it was supposed to be a cost effectiveness paper, but turned into a utilization paper that looked at utilizations in hospital systems as um, using diabetes care and education and the effect of that. And you know, I think sometimes people—it's it, hard to measure, right? In a, in a hospital system, but you want people to utilize the emergency room less, right? Yes. Is this Is yes. utilization something that is easy for the DCEs to access and talk, But because it really is a measure that shows the value of the DCEs, right?
0: Yeah. Not only access of the ER, but also reduction of readmission rates, shortening length of stay, all of those are really important measures if you can get the data. So one of the things is most most diabetes care and education specialists work on the outpatient side, and this stuff is hospital stuff. So if you have EMRs that talk to one another, which is which is increasing, more and more that's happening. I mean, I've worked in systems in the past where they had two different systems. The hospital system had one, and the clinic system had another. And then I had to create my own because, you know, we were like chopped liver almost. It's like we're over there. But anyway, over time, and the systems that I've worked in, in the Twin Cities of of Minnesota, most of them use EPIC. And we have what's referred to as Epic Care Everywhere. So even if I'm in a different care system, I can access someone's data. I can't change it. But with the patient's permission, I can access their data. So there is that that being able to access that data is improving, but it's still really hard. And so ultimately what we want to do is say, who's who have I seen as a diabetes care and education specialist? Have they been in the hospital? Of, of those folks that we see, have we reduced the number of ER visits? Have we shortened lengths of stay? When they go into the hospital, do they have a lower A1C? A big thing has been over time, and I think this is now best practice, people would go in for um, joint replacement, and they might have a 10% A1C. Well, we know now the standard of practice is they need to get their A1C down first in order to shorten length of stay. But let's say somebody has a heart attack or, you know, an MI or they're they're in a car accident. If their A1C is higher when that happens, their length of stay is going to be longer. The possibility of infection is longer. The possibility of complications during that hospitalization is up. And also readmission rates are higher. Connecting that data is really important, but it's not as easy as you might think. The other thing is when someone is discharged... We're still in that place where sometimes if the systems talk, the primary care side and folks like the diabetes care and education specialist might be notified that this person was just discharged. But in all likelihood, they're not. So we know that reducing readmissions is, is um, one of the ways that we can do that is making sure that they're seeing somebody right away, that they're getting their medication reconciliation done right away, that they're not hanging out there waiting. Because oftentimes what they say is, well, you really should make an appointment with your primary care doctor at some point, you know, as a follow-up to your hospitalization. And that follow-up appointment will in all likelihood be the very first time anyone on the outpatient side has found out they've been in the hospital. So we're getting there, but that linkage of that data and sharing that. So you could go to your IT folks and they might say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, but we can't do it yet. But we need to push, and, and it is improving.
1: You always bring up the best examples. Like, that is exactly why you need a subject matter expertise working with an IT person. And it's a win-win for both, right? Like IT is going to win because they're going to discover along with the diabetes care and education specialist. So it's just a perfect example of why we need to marry these two professions. Yes. Okay. We are at ADCES 22. Did you learn anything here that you could say like, hey, these are the big takeaways. This this, this relates to population health.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, all of the cool things that are happening in technology enables this. And, And what is really cool is that the technology that we're seeing it connects the patient to the data too so you know the patient is part of the data pool if you will and many of the products are looking at how can you look at your whole population of people as well as look at individuals so go back to my initial comment where i said we treat patients and we manage populations The technology is helping us do that, and most of the technology that I'm seeing here will also integrate with your EMRs, because the one thing that IT says is don't give me all your raw data. I don't want you to be dumping in a bunch of individual blood sugars and all of that stuff. I want the report. So as a subject matter expert, you're saying this is a report that we're going to generate, we're going to put into the, the patient record. It will become a permanent part of the patient record, but we also want to be able to look at this other data and communicate with our patients. So yeah, the technology has just been growing by leaps and bounds.
1: So we treat people with diabetes and we manage the populations and we move that through with technology.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Fantastic. Teresa, you always leave me with the best ideas. And I totally appreciate this conversation and appreciate you sitting down. Hopefully we get to do this again sometime.
0: You're welcome. Happy to be here.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Huddle. Make sure to download the resources discussed on today's episode. You can find them linked in the show notes at diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. And remember, being an ADCES member gets you access to many resources, education, and networking opportunities. Learn about the many benefits of ADCES membership at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.